So when she saw me, she goes, You're, you, you got to be Mark Renner's brother. And uh, she introduces herself. Her name's Karen. And uh, turns out, 30 years married, so add that. <laughs> 1974 till now. <laughs> Whatever that is, I can't do the math right now. But 1974. But the thing, the point is, not besides just a cute little story, is immediately fascinated with just what, what caught my eye. And then over time, you know, what catch, catches my eye, catches my attention. I meet Karen, we start hanging out. We, we played a lot of paddle tennis together in PE, so we're just casual friends. And, you know, and the, and the friendship develops. And at that age of, of, this would have been 74, being 14, you know, I kind of have my first girlfriend and, and so on, and, and it's her. And uh, the progression, though, of, it first, of her first catching my eye, and something as simple but as beautiful as hair, becoming fascinated with that, so it captures my, my mind. And then over a period of time of getting to know this person and engaging them with my mind and, you know, just having fun and, you know, again, speaking as a 14, 15-year-old, your, your mind and, you know, just playing, just doing things. But over a period of time, what, what occupies my mind eventually starts to occupy my heart. And so there's this progression of your eyes to your mind to your heart. And when Brian Kelly, it's been a while now, six, whenever we started the book of Ephesians, when we were in chapter 1, and he got to this verse, verse 17, um, excuse me, uh, verse 18, where Paul writes, and he says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. Uh, it, remind, it actually, a whole bunch of stuff, I sometimes sit here, I don't know, he probably doesn't want to hear this, but uh, when he's teaching sometimes, he'll say something that captures my mind, and I got copious notes, but they aren't necessarily on what he taught on. And Because I'll, I'll kind of lock on to one thing, and that particular day when he was on that part of Scripture, where opening the eyes of my heart, where Paul writes that, and that's what he's praying for the people in Ephesus, is that their, uh, the eyes of their hearts would be open. And it, it took me actually, it reminded me, you know, I'm sorry for lots of old stories, but this, this connects, it's just the way my mind works, is um, I, I used to work at uh, Calvary where the Kellys and, and Karen Renner work, and um, I, I, got, I, I was very fortunate to work with an older lady, her name was Jan Lindsay, and it was the wife of Hal Lindsay, if some of the people from my generation would know his books. But uh, Jan was an English teacher, and anyway, just, just super, one of these just really plain, ordinary, right to the core, just loved God with all of her heart, Christian, and it was somebody you would, you would really want to spend time with, even though we were almost like completely different generations. But we were in chapel one day, and we were singing that song, if you guys know that, Open the eyes of my heart, Lord, open the eyes of my heart. And she, we're standing in the back, and there's 12 and 12 year olds singing the song, and she kind of turns to me and goes, they have no idea what they're saying. Because they're just singing these songs. And, and, you know, and, and we do have a tendency to do that. We, we'll, we'll put songs up, and we'll, and we'll just sing them. And sometimes we don't really consider what it is that we're saying. And then, so when, Beak, uh, when that came up, like I said, a few weeks, you know, a month or so ago, Opening the eyes of my heart, it reminded me of that song, which we're actually going to sing at, at the end of this. But uh, what I wanted to do was tap more into that. What does that mean to ask God to open the eyes of your heart? All right, so there's my little preface. So let me pray, and then we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit. All right. So, fathers, we uh, just, I'm sure, barely tap into what it is that, that you mean by opening the eyes of our hearts. Lord, I pray that you would do that very thing. Um, 
it's something Paul prays for us, Lord, so I'm, I'm kind of understanding it as something that we don't do on our own, but it's something you do in us. And I just pray that at the end of this time, Lord, of, of just sharing some thoughts and what your word would say, that uh, each one of us, the eyes of our hearts may be opened just that much more, Lord, to the reality of who you are, Lord, the depth of love you have for us. Just really, just how real you are, God. Just capture our eyes, our hearts, and our minds, God. I ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. So, I, eyes, mind, heart. That's kind of like my progression here is when, we, when, we, when our eyes settle on something and then we start to engage it in our, in our minds um, and eventually our heart gets kind of locked in on that too. So there's a, there's a competition you know, in this world, and you guys know this all too well. There's a competition in this life for our hearts and our minds. And one of the things I get to do daily is pray over a bunch of uh, 10 and 11-year-olds. They teach sixth grade over at Oaks Christian. And, uh, and I pause and I tell them, I say, I know I'm saying the same words a lot, uh, but it is just so important that I pray, and this is speaking to the kids, that I pray for you guys that your hearts and your minds, that God would protect those things. Because this world is competing to grab your minds and therefore grab your hearts and pull you away from the Lord. Um, and it really begins with, the, with our eyes. And, uh, and I think that's a literal thing, but it's also figuratively, you know, so thoughts, um, the things we see, and so on. And, uh, you know, Hebrews 12, the writer of Hebrews 12, 7, it says, fix your eyes, fix your gaze on Jesus. And as we, so as we, you know, at the end of this, again, I think the, the key here is just kind of opening our hearts and minds to what I would pray for at the end is that as we fix our eyes on Jesus, that not only do we just see him and we understand the historical Jesus and know who he is, but there, there, I, I really think there's a, there's a whole other engagement level when our eyes of our hearts are opened. And so when we fix our gaze on him, that we would really see him for who he is and not just know him. In fact, we thought not so long ago about that the... You know, even the demons, they, they know who he is, and they understand. But it, so it was a de- uh, devil with the honey. Devil knowledge. devil knowledge, that we would so far surpass devil knowledge. And, and it would become heart knowledge. And that's, that's where the eyes of our hearts open. And, and, and Jesus actually enters in, and he fills our being. Uh, what's really curious, I've been reading just John in my, in my own just Bible reading time. And um, uh, he's performing miracles, and he's walking the streets, and he's got, you know, like, I can picture the, 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 uh, you know, the processions going down the streets of, of his followers, but also the Pharisees being there. And one of the things that really caught my eye, and, and I, you know, I know we all know this to be true, but there was a specific verse, uh, John 12-ish or so, and it just, said, it just said, the Pharisees were seeing him do all this stuff. You know, they, they were standing there when Lazarus came out of the grave, and they saw him healing and all this, and they were seeing this, and they were hearing his teaching, and they still didn't believe and they 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 saw it and none we don't see it yet we believe and so there, there there's obviously more to this than just seeing knowing and understanding and then first john actually on the total opposite end of it here's a guy john who spent those three years with jesus and he begins his his letter his first second third john so not the gospel but he begins that letter saying that what I have seen, in fact, I'm going to read it, and it's just very short, but if you do want to turn that, it's fine, but you'll just be flipping pages because I'm going to read it it's real short. Uh, but 1 John, 
as he describes his experience, what was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we beheld and our hands handled concerning the word of life. And the life was manifested. And we've seen and bear witness and proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to, to us. What we, what we have seen and heard, we proclaim to you also that you may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write so that our joy may be made complete. So you have these Pharisees. They, they're seeing the same stuff John's seeing. They're experiencing you know, not, not the same kind of intimacy with Jesus, but they're seeing what's going on. And then you have John who, his, obviously the eyes of his heart have been opened, and his life has changed, and, 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 and he, he grasps really who Jesus is. So, <clears throat> excuse me. So in this competition for, for our hearts and our minds, um, is, is we, we, we need to fix our gaze on him. And that sounds like, okay, great. You know, but it's like, if we, if we stop and pause for a minute, it's like, well, what, what the heck is that supposed to mean? What is it to fix our gaze on him? And, and again, that's where I think in Ephesians where he talks about him opening the eyes of our heart. Um, is, is it so easy, and this is where I don't want it, and I don't know if this is from a, um, you know, we kind of, whenever you stand up here, I think you bring some of your stuff from your background. Is that, is that, I grew up in a, in a great church. Uh, you know, this is a church that I joined, actually, uh, thanks to Karen, back in ninth grade. And we got great Bible teaching, uh, really good understanding of Scripture through that church. But the, the way this, I think, would have been taught would be then move on to all the things we shouldn't be looking at, okay, instead of fixing our gaze on Jesus. So uh, the lesson would have, would have gone on to continue of like, well, you know, we need to avoid, and, it li- and we would list all these things, and, uh, and you know, and I think of uh, the story of, of David and Bathsheba, David's out. Uh, it says during, during the time of year when the kings went out to war and he didn't go and he's on the rooftop and he sees Bathsheba across the way bathing up on the top of her roof or however that's set up and he fixes his gaze on her and he ends up falling into sin and that would have been the center of the message and uh, I think we know I could list all the things that we ought not be looking or thinking about. You know, we can go from sexuality to the material things, positions, just all the things that capture our minds and our hearts. Uh, I know when my kids were little, uh, there was out on the streets something called a, a pop truck. And what a pop truck was, it seemed like everyone had a pop truck except for me. Because what I wanted was a Ford F-350 diesel pickup truck, long bed. I had it outside. And, and, they, they, and they knew that. And my, I was fixated on that. To the point, I don't know if this ever happened to you guys. It seemed like you want something like that. And all of a sudden, everybody's got one, except for you. And so I'm like fixated on this thing. And so I've got my gaze not fixed on Jesus. Not you know, I got my gaze fixed on every F-350 that drives by. And uh, you know, and I'm still the same way with other toys. You know, these things that I carry on the top of my car. I see a better looking, faster looking one, and it's like I gotta have that one. Gotta have the best one. And Philippians 4.8, I just want to kind of change channels. And, and so, not to, and I do not want to take this down the road of let's not look or focus on these things, but instead, let's do focus on these things. It's like the object in the road that if you keep looking at it when you're on your mountain bike, you're probably going to hit it. 
just the opposite. Where and how, what should we be looking at? And um, Philippians 4, 8, and this is, this is well worth, if you don't already know it, if you haven't memorized something, this is a well worth one marking. But in Philippians, it does tell us what to look, like, look at. <clears throat> Philippians 4, 8, just the one verse. It says, finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there's any excellence and if anything worthy of praise, let your mind dwell on these things. And actually that popped in my mind during worship today. And I was reminded of that. I was thinking of a time when my eyes were so fixed on everything wrong in my life that I, I fell into a pretty, uh, it was just, you know, I told Shane about this not so long ago. I fell into a pretty dark place, maybe for two, two and a half years, and I've made allusions to that. And fighting out of that place required to stop thinking about what I felt like right now. Stop thinking about all the junk I was doing wrong in my life. You know, it was going way past the Holy Spirit convicting me about the stuff I had done, about the sin in my life. And it was, it was, it was the enemy pointing at me. It was me convicting myself. And then when I landed on this, and, and it, it, it required prayer of a lot of people, my wife, some counsel, several friends. This is part of the story where I, I've shared some pieces of this before. But it required a changing of what I looked at. And, and God really had to open the eyes of my heart so that I could focus on things that were honorable, they were right, they were pure, they were lovely. Okay? My thoughts are far from pure, perfect, but this is what I had to do. This is where my, my, my sight had to go. Those kinds of things. And so as, um, you know, as, I'm, as, I, as I'm teaching this, and I feel like I'm bouncing a little bit, but as I'm teaching this, I, the last thing I want to do is get us be thinking about all the things we ought not to be thinking about. Because what Paul's asking here in Ephesians is that God would open the eyes of our heart to, so we can see Jesus. He's not saying, don't look at this, this, and this. He's saying, do look at this. So that's where we want to go. Okay, so Paul, in Acts chapter 9, I'll just tell the story and not read the whole thing. In Acts chapter 9, here, so here's, here's Paul, he's persecuting the church. Saul, excuse me. We're not calling him Paul yet. He's persecuting the church. This man knows and understands the gospel. He knows what's going on. He's an expert in the law. He's passionate about God. I would go so far as to say he loves God. This is, this, his life is based on loving and serving God. And he knows who Jesus is, but there's something missing. The eyes of his heart have not been opened. So what does Jesus do? Kicks him in the butt. Knocks him off a horse. Speaks to him blind. And what's funny is, strangely enough, this is, this is actually what kind of twists this a little bit, is the eyes of his heart must be opened, and he gets it by being blinded. So again, it's not, not a physical seeing, it's the eyes of the heart seeing. And Paul comes and is converted and turns into you know, the writer of the bulk of the, of the New Testament and changes the world. And so that's, that's what I want us to get from this, is that the eyes of our hearts would be opened. Okay? Um, and, you know, I just, I just want to kind of right now actually even make an invitation. Whether you've walked with the Lord for a long time 
or you're kind of, you know, you're visiting or out of town and just, you know, saw church, a car's pulling in, is you know the story of Jesus, you've been around the people of Jesus, and sometimes, and I'll just speak for somebody who's known the Lord for quite a while, is sometimes it just becomes knowledge to me. And I think we all, regardless of where we are, we need the eyes of our hearts open. Okay? Maybe at some point you get to, okay, I understand, I see, I've thought about it, and God is inviting you to allow your heart to be open to this. And that does not mean you have to fully understand every little detail of it, because if you wait till then, it ain't happening. But I'm just reminding you, know, I speak to myself most of the time when I'm up here, is I get to these places where <clears throat> um, I, just, I just feel like I, I just know this stuff. And I've lost touch of who this Jesus is, how much he loves me, how real the cross and the blood. Tony's song, the blood is, Your Blood is Thicker Than Water, five, six weeks, weeks ago, like one of those little momentary changes in my life. It's like, oh my gosh, it was something so, so profound about that that it spoke of the blood of Jesus and it became real to me again. And we need to be continually having, having our eyes opened again and again and again having our eyes opened to the things that Jesus is trying to show us. Um, now, one of the painful things, I understand that, 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 you know, I can stand up here and say, you know, just open your eyes to, open the eyes of my heart and I'll see Jesus and so on, is, because is, I've prayed with guys about this, I've experienced this, is you're open, you're doing this, and God is nowhere to be found. And if you read in the Psalms, David dealt with that. God, where are you? God does seem to sometimes hide himself. And that, that's a whole other lesson. I don't even want to go there. But I will say this, if you just happen to be in that place, and this almost can be, something like this could be a painful message, saying, I am opening my heart, and he's not showing up. Is God does, just in my experience and in the people I've talked to, and the things I've read about such things, is in that hiding time, is he is doing something in you that seems to be taking you to another level of faith. So have, just have courage in that. Okay, so the you know, last thing I want is somebody to kind of come out of here more dejected than you may have come in. It's meant to be an encouragement. Um, so uh, just kind of keep that in mind. Um, one of the things we're going to do in a second here is we're going we're gonna to have communion. And uh, kind of an interesting story that will connect us to communion is if you look in Luke chapter 24, when it talks about eyes being opened. Luke 24, 28 to 31. This is after the resurrection. This is cool. This is what I'm talking about. <laughs> and this is, it's great that we're having communion today too. Because this, I love this. Um, Luke 24, 28-31. Let me just read this story here. It says, And they approached the village. These guys are walking with Jesus. A couple of the... just says, And the two of them. Not sure we can go backwards and find out who that is. But in verse 28 it says, And they were approached... And as they approached the village where they were going... He acted as though he would go further, meaning Jesus. They're walking with him. And they, urged, they don't know who he is. 
And they urged him, saying, Stay with us, for it's getting toward evening, and the day is now nearly over. And he went in to stay with them. And it came about that when he had reclined at the table with them, he took the bread, blessed it, and breaking it, he began giving it to them. And their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. There's something, I know this is just bread and grape juice, but there's something about communion. Okay? They don't, Jesus is right there in their midst. He's right there. He's right here. He is in your midst. And something about when he broke the bread and he shared it, the guys who had spent three years hanging out with him, all of a sudden, it's like the, they saw him. The eyes of their hearts were opened. And it's like, oh my gosh, it's Jesus. And he has risen from the dead. And so my, my prayer, I'm going to pray here in a second, and then we are going to do communion. Is I want to pray for all of us. That just something here was enough to God come in and just, you know, like, what do you call it, tilling, softening the soil. Just soften enough soil that when he comes to open the eyes of our hearts that we do see him. And we're actually going to sing that song in a minute or two also. And that we make that song not just a song, but we make that song a prayer. Because when you see Jesus, it changes, obviously it changes everything. It changed everything in Paul's life. It changed everything in his disciples' life. It's like, he has risen. He has risen. That changes everything. I think that was just last week. That the resurrection change, that changes everything. Last week, meaning in the lesson. So, let me pray for us. And then, um, when we do come up and do communion, which after I pray, and Heather and everybody will come up and actually play, pray, uh, play that song, um, Open the Eyes of My Heart. Um, we've got bread, we've got grape juice. If you guys, when we do communion, just break off a little piece of bread and just dip it into the grape juice. And then kind of up one aisle and down the other. Uh, but just whenever you're ready. And, and uh, again, make that your prayer, that Jesus opens the eyes of your heart, not just your mind. All right, let's pray. So Holy Spirit, I pray that you would come and you know, you, you've shown us who Jesus is. We talk about him. We learn about him. So in one sense, we, we've seen him and we've thought about him. But Spirit, I, just, I pray that you would open the eyes of our heart so that we could, in our spirit, grasp the reality of Jesus. And that that would change everything. Lord, it would. It would